one nation, under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's so amazing that right now the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance are the number one song in America. It's true. And it's narrated by Donald Trump and the song, The J6 Prisoners. So many of them overcharged, oversentenced. Some of them did not break anything, did not hurt anybody. It's a 501c3 that's been set up. And all the proceeds of this song will go to help the families of those J6 prisoners. This song, again, number one in the country on Spotify, on iTunes. And if you look at this list, you know who Donald Trump and the J6 prisoners are beating? Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, people like that. You know, you can get pretty depressed, right? I mean, there are a lot of things going backwards, but this is a, it's a big reason for optimism. Wow. You may not hear too many news reports about it, but it's happening and it's amazing. All right. What we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, though, is, yes, Joe Biden and his lust for violating the Constitution. Did you hear this? In the meantime, my executive order directs my attorney general to take every lawful action possible, possible to move us as close as we can to universal background checks without new legislation. Without new legislation. Without new legislation. That's a problem. You know, he, he throws it in there. Lawful. Make it lawful as possible. Executive order. An executive order without legislation. This is a violation of our constitutional rights. Next. So let's finish the job. Ban assault weapons. Ban them again. Do it now. Enough. Do something. Do something big. Like politicians everywhere, they just want to look like they did something. Do something big to give him something to brag about. But with him, he really doesn't want the American people to have the Second Amendment. He's talked about that. He thinks it's no. And right now, more than ever, with this wannabe authoritarian, I think about our founding fathers. I think about Thomas Jefferson. What country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. Thomas Jefferson, letter to William Stevens Smith, son-in-law of John Adams, December 20th, 1787. That's really something. Joe Biden is on a tower crusade. He loves power. He does not like responsibility. You know, this, this latest thing with the bank, uh, his first impulse was to, yes, blame Trump. <laughs> and that is what he does. He looks for scapegoats, right? And he lies and deflects all responsibility. It's muscle memory with this guy. We got a whole bunch assembled. Take a look. And we're using the Defense Production Act to launch full-scale wartime effort to address the supply shortages we inherited from the previous administration. We're moving in the right direction, though, despite the mess we inherited from the previous administration, which left us with no real plan to vaccinate all Americans. The last administration weakened that law, making it possible for the abuse that we're seeing now. The previous administration, as you all know, ran up record budget deficits, 
In fact, the deficit went up every year under my predecessor. There were several of these balloons that during the, the last administration didn't even know they were there. They didn't even do anything about them. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> From banks to balloons to drugs, it's all Trump's fault. The lust for power he has and the incapacity to take responsibility. Um, briefly on the bank. Uh, the bank is taking cues from our culture. Have you heard by now that the directors, the board of directors, not one of them had any significant banking experience? Excuse me, one did. The rest, you had a chef, you had a comedian, you had all these uh, characters in positions of real responsibility. This is not normal, is it, Joe Biden? It's not normal. I'll give him this. I actually like this quote. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. I totally agree. Not normal. Absolutely. It is not normal what your administration is advocating, what you are doing. It is not normal for grown men to put on women's clothes and hang around children. It is not normal for a grown man to pretend they're a woman and swim on the girls' swimming team. It is not normal for a girls' basketball team in Vermont to be banned from all sports just because they forfeited a game against a team that had an unfair advantage because that team had a trans student, a biological male opponent. It is not normal to celebrate the talentless Dylan Mulvaney in the White House. Why is this happening? Joe Biden spending this kind of time with these trans activists. This is not normal. <laughs> a little bit more on her. She's been all over the place lately. She, he, well, I don't know. They, they, here on the Drew Barrymore show. Now, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We've had transgender for a long time in America, but there's a new breed of transgender. If you listen closely, and it's actually pretty obvious, take a look. Has that wisdom guided you in ways that you're glad you heard it, or you're still figuring that out? Still figuring it out, but... I think back to my like childhood self and I think about if I was following myself on TikTok as like a young kid, what would I want to hear? Or, you know, so much of my audience is a younger demographic and I sort of would love to show transness in a way that we haven't seen it before. The audience that Dylan Mulvaney is catering to is children, catering to them. That's the big difference. That's the big shift, as well as help from the federal government. This stuff used to be confined to certain neighborhoods, certain districts. Dr. Rachel Levine pulling the strings at the Department of Health and Human Services, a president of the United States, that he himself seems to be a little bit uh, out of control sometimes around children. This, though, is the hill he sometimes says he wants to die on. Transgender rights for kids. Uh, transgender kids is a really harder day thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, 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 what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are 
I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. Their children. They're human beings and their children. He's talking about in Florida, no hormonal change therapy for kids. That's sinful. I actually think it's the opposite. I think what Joe Biden is doing is sinful. And the fixation on children, that is sinful. Now let's talk about the broader issue, LGBTQIA+. You know what else rubs me the wrong way? By the way, let's, yeah, let's break it down. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Blah, blah, blah. Have you ever noticed the media, they like to pretend that this is monolithic, that every lesbian, gay person, even transgender, they all think the same way. They are the same. They all, they don't. That's not true. And we also, as a country, are kind of with it and more sophisticated than the left might believe. You know, back in the 1970s, there was this famous uh, tennis player, Richard Radkins, I believe the name was, who became, we all saw it if you are old enough, Renee Richards. And yeah, it was talked about. It was, um, but here's the deal. They weren't going after children, all right? Now it's different. They're going after children. And that is a real problem. And speaking of the diversity, the intellectual diversity of the LGBTQ community, gays against groomers, fabulous people who do not like what's happening. And you can see them and they reveal the truth all the time on their Instagram, on their Twitter. It's really worth watching. So Joe Biden, the president of the United States, you know, leaders are supposed to have a a measure of wisdom. From time to time, they're supposed to speak about broader issues like the soul of the nation, not just attacking MAGA and pretend you care about the soul of the nation, but protecting the country from this horrific moment where everybody is focused on the wrong things and everything is falling apart. We only have so much capacity as human beings. We can't dwell on the trivial and still get the job done. Some of the biggest companies in America, United Airlines, Starbucks, Hershey, the military, they're all focusing on the wrong thing, and we're seeing the consequences of their distraction. United is really excited to be celebrating Pride Month, and we'll be marching parades all over the world. The last few years of the pandemic has been hard, and to be able to come out here in the sun and the warmth and to walk next to each other and hand in hand and to celebrate. Let's be loud. Let's be proud. Big news this Monday night, a newly revealed incident over the skies of Hawaii. A United Airlines flight in December from Maui to San Francisco plunged more than 1,000 feet shortly after takeoff and came within seconds of crashing into the Pacific Ocean. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Tonight, breaking news as we come on the air in the West. President Biden speaking late today on the devastating American losses in Afghanistan. Tonight, now at least 13 U.S. service members killed. Those 13 service members killed, at least 18 wounded in a suicide bomb attack at the airport in Kabul. The deadliest day for the U.S. military in Afghanistan in more than a decade. I want to address the topic of racism, inequality, and injustice and to recognize the pain being felt throughout our nation, especially in our black and brown communities after the senseless killing of George Floyd. Apple announced it found serious vulnerabilities that could let a malicious hacker take control of your iPhone, iPad, or Mac.
Isn't it obvious? We're, we're screwing ourselves. We're sabotaging ourselves. We don't have the capacity for all this nonsense, taking our eye off the pole. Our enemies are not consumed with this, not, this, these matters. There's more. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. Hershey, one of the world's largest chocolate makers, is warning of a shortage of Kit Kats, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and other sweets this Halloween as it struggles to ramp up supply. One of the primary reasons that Starbucks has succeeded throughout all these years is the diversity of people who work for the company. Diversity, from a simple point, is about who we are. Recall to tell you about here. Check your fridge. You may have a Starbucks drink that is part of a nationwide recall. More than 25,000 cases of Starbucks Frappuccino vanilla drinks being recalled because of the possibility there may be glass inside. I think what really sets us apart when we think about diversity, equity and inclusion at SVB is our culture and our united desire to lead with empathy. Thank you very much, Scott. Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly Evans, and we're following breaking news at this hour. Regulators have just shut down Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB. It's the largest U.S. bank failure since the 2008 financial crisis. I think it's so obvious. I know there are others who say, oh, no, they have nothing to do with each other, and companies have the capacity. No, they don't, actually. And human beings don't. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. Oh, yeah? Can you juggle and read and virtue signal and do your job? All at the same time, you can actually. You can. And by the way, they're all hypocrites. Yeah, they're all hypocrites. They all engage in businesses with all kinds of countries that have uh, all kinds of horrible laws, actually, against gay people. American Express. Oh, boy. You know how woke they become, the American Express company? Who remembers Carl Malden? <laughs> Don't leave home without it. It's not that company anymore. No way. Diversity means to me acceptance, just being accepted into the crowd, into the conversations, into life itself. Understanding that every individual is unique, the languages that they speak, the costumes they wear, the culture that they follow. Diversity isn't just about including a couple of black and Asian faces, but it's about the diversity of human experiences. Inclusion for me is when you make people feel part of it, a group in the work, in the family, with friends. American Express is different. You're evaluated based on what you can contribute and not what you look like or what your gender is or how old you are. As a culture and as a community, I would say that Amex is a safe one and one that's evolving to accurately reflect the world around us. This is a place where you can authentically All right, all right. You get the picture, right? It's uh, woke, it's hip, it's uh, you can be your true self if you work at American Express. But if you live in some of the countries where American Express does business, where they make money, uh, you might be in trouble. So let's take a look at the countries where it is a crime to be LGBTQ. I thought we'd pick a random country, Morocco. I was just curious, does American Express uh, do business there? Can your American Express card be? Yes, absolutely. If you go to the American Express website, they've got all kinds of hotels they have arrangements with. Uh, and Morocco I picked also because, well, cool people, rich people, 
like to go there. You know, it's exotic, it's in Africa, but it's not, you know, it's, they just dig it. And uh, even the richest, one of the richest guys in the world. A little bit to, to get you guys in this a bit more. Yassine, say hi to the Moroccan people. What's up, Morocco? We went to Morocco. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. On, on one of our first international trips that we took together for fun, we went to, to Morocco. It was, it was an awesome, it was an awesome time. Huh. Gosh, you know, Facebook has so much power. Could they look into that LGBTQ thing being illegal in Morocco? No, it's a, we're only going to hassle Florida because they don't want the teachers talking to kids about gender before the third grade. Take a look at this. Who actually does something for LGBTQ? Who do you think, huh? Take a guess. NBC News is reporting exclusively that the Trump administration is now launching a global campaign to stop countries around the world from criminalizing homosexuality, especially countries where being gay can lead to the death penalty. How about that? One of the few times they actually acknowledged uh, a pretty amazing initiative. Hey, stay with us. Much more to come, including Donald Trump's appearance in Iowa. The campaign noted by even the mainstream media for its discipline and message focus. Be right back. So did you see Donald Trump in Iowa last night? Newsmax carried a huge chunk of it this afternoon. I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, It's good. And he made a lot of great points. I've got to watch the whole thing. But uh, here's something. And. I actually thought about, I've been thinking about this for a while. It's interesting how he kind of crystallizes things that are kind of floating around in your head sometimes. Has that ever happened to you? Take a look at this. Things are happening that are unprecedented. The Biden administration has driven Russia right into the arms of China, something that is unacceptable. When you're a child studying history, the one thing you learn is you never want Russia and China to get together and form an alliance. Biden has done that. <laughs> he has done that. And it's interesting. You know, I've been thinking about this. When Richard Nixon opened China in 1972, it was a big, big, big deal. All right. There he is with Chow and Lai. And a little while later, he met with Mao Zedong himself. And you know who this really, really freaked out? The Russians, <laughs> they were not happy. Well, now we're kind of like the odd man out, right? We don't want that relationship to blossom. We, we, we can't have that. And it looks like that's what's happening. Who's going to stand up to China? Joe Biden seems to have no inclination whatsoever to put a stop to their ambitions, their global ambitions, their aggression. It's happening. They want to take over the world. You can look it up. The the Belt and Road Initiative, the you name it, they're on it. And we we're just sitting back. Now, here's a big clue as to why that might be happening. Congressman James Comer from the Oversight Committee was on Rob Schmidt's show just a little while ago. We have a wire uh, that came from China to what looked to be a pass-through account that then went and uh, dispersed various payments to three different Biden family members for services unknown. That's a big deal. And the amount, $3 million, came from China, 
to somebody named Walker, an associate of the Bidens, and then they tracked the money and it went to uh, three Bidens, three Bidens. Now, we're not sure exactly which ones. These are some who are under investigation. But Mr. Comer pointed out it could be another Biden. And actually, it is another Biden in addition to these. So we started going through who are the other Bidens? Could it be Valerie Biden, Joe's sister? Could it be Jill Biden, the wife? Could it be Sarah Biden? Her name's coming up a lot. The wife of Jim Biden. It all seems to be on the table. And what do the Bidens know about anything to get $3 million from China? They're not good at stuff. They're not technologists. They're not executives. Why would they get that kind of money? This is huge. And it didn't come from some random tweet. It came from Jim Comer, who's the chair of the Oversight Committee. This is amazing news. This is big, 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 big stuff. And no one's really talking about it all that much. It's being minimized, even by the so-called conservative media. Uh, Mr. Hammer, one of their so-called straight news guys, uh, interviewed Jim Comer uh, earlier today. And after he found out all that information, the $3 million tracked right to the Biden family. Why? We don't know. But what could possibly be the reason? After all that, what did, uh, what did he have to say? Um... It's rather incendiary, and we'll see whether or not you're onto something. Again, five years investigating, nothing just yet. James Comer, thank you for your time today. Five years investigating, nothing just yet. What is he talking about? Where has he been? You know the problem, all right? Because the New York Times has not told the Fox News Channel that it's safe to go with this story. The New York Times, described not too long ago by somebody at Fox as the editor, the assignment editor of the mainstream media. And some of the things over the past five years, let's see, $83,000 a month from Burisma, the laptop, 10% for the big guy, Tony Bobolinsky, on and on and on. Nothing there. It's because these guys won't ratify it to make them feel like it's a cool story that's safe for them to report. Safe as in, we'll still accept you in our little club. Not safe in terms of legality or anything like that. Wow. All right. Also today on Fox, they had this guy, Mark Esper. Who's Mark Esper? Good question. Uh, he, he was acting Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump until he fired him, and he deserved to be fired. Absolutely. Very interesting moment here in terms of uh, how swampy that swamp is. Take a look. And Biden yesterday standing shoulder to shoulder with leaders of the United Kingdom and Australia in San Diego yesterday. He announced a landmark nuclear submarine deal aimed at countering China's growing military power. And joining us now is former Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Uh, let me just show you a couple of the stats. This is called for number one. This is stats on the Virginia-class nuclear submarine. Crew 132. Then you got Tomahawk missiles and four torpedo tubes, and it, go, it can go 25 knots. For somebody like me, I, can, I kind of understand that. Why should Americans know that this is a good deal and good for our national security? Well, it is a good deal, Dana. Yeah, it's a good deal, and he goes on to say that it's a good deal. And look, I'm all for more submarines and more weaponry, sure. Uh, but there is something called the military-industrial complex, and this guy is a great big fat example of that. So they don't mention that the former Secretary of Defense was also a lobbyist for Raytheon, the company that makes the uh, the missiles that we saw, okay? Those Tomahawk missiles. Uh, 
I think selling these missiles is very good for business. Look, again, I want these missiles, but something going on here. Oh, by the way, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, he was on the board of directors of Raytheon. <laughs> I think he had to get a special waiver to be SECDEP at because he went from that job to being Secretary of Defense. And um, as far as the wars uh, that the U.S. is fighting or wants to support, like the one in Ukraine, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Good for business, I think. I think it's, uh, I think it's the right approach to defend democracy in around, around the world and to support our friends and allies. And uh, it also sends a critical message to China. And so in other ways, it helps in, with regard to our longer-term struggle against the Chinese Communist Party. Well, you can have this debate, but I think it's quite obvious that we are depleting our military, our supplies, and making us more vulnerable to uh, a potential defeat if we ever should engage in conflict with China, military conflict. You can have that debate, but there's something else because he's, well, he's a, an elite member of the swamp now, back in good standing. And you know how he got there, I do believe? Well, when Donald Trump held that Bible in front of the church, Remember what the swamp did? They all said that somehow holding a Bible in front of a church was the worst thing that ever happened. Uh, I never could understand that. I didn't see a problem with it myself. Uh, then acting Secretary of Defense Mark Esper got behind the microphone and started um, apologizing. I don't know. It, it wasn't to Trump. It was to the swamp. I want to state very clearly for all to hear my account of what happened that Monday afternoon. I did know that following the president's remarks on Monday evening that many of us were going to join President Trump and review the damage in Lafayette Park and at St. John's Episcopal Church. What I was not aware of was exactly where we were going when we, when we arrived at the church and what the plans were once we got there. It was also my aim and General Milley's. All right. To meet so with this goes on for several minutes explaining himself. His boss is not asking for an explanation, but the swamp is. And then he said all the right things about George Floyd and systemic racism, things that the secretary of defense, quite frankly, has no business weighing in on. Um, celebrated as a man who supports and defends the Constitution. And I believe in his head and his heart that's where it is, but sometimes you get all these conflicting um, motives. Take a look. Spur and chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, ran the Army for over a year before finding themselves in charge at the Pentagon. In order to deal with what he calls some of the crazy ideas coming from the White House, Esper and Milley came up with a system. I come up with this idea. Actually, Mark Milley and I discuss it, what we call the four no's. The four things we had to prevent from happening between then and the election. And one was no strategic retreats, no unnecessary wars, no polit politicization of the military, and no misuse of the military. And so as we went through the next five to six months, that became the metric by which we would measure things. You get the idea that um, perhaps he wasn't down with a democratically elected president. That was his general demeanor. And I do believe he and so many other members of the swamp, and I hope Donald Trump hires better next time, we're out to trip him up big time. And now we have this great unnecessary war in Ukraine that most Americans agree would not be being fought. Putin would never have invaded if Trump 
were in the White House. About 60% of Americans believe that because it's true. I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Carson. Biden's America is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one day after another. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hard. Families to the brink. Hell, just look at the price of eggs. And the digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it. I know it. And that's why I partnered with the great company Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They are six-time Inc. 500 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews and have helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last, only if you call them today. Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin, so don't wait. Call 855-735-3740, 855-735-3740. That's 855-735-3740. Uh, when I saw this arguing and yelling and screaming, I thought it was some sort of elementary school where, I don't know, there was an argument over who got to watch Sesame Street or not. It turns out it's Stanford Law School. And the controversy, why everybody's upset, a federal judge, Kyle Duncan, was invited to speak, and it offended the sensibilities of that woman right there, the diversity, equity, and inclusion dean, and uh, a lot of the students, some of them walked out. It was a great big disaster and a defeat for free speech, potentially. Uh, Josiah Daniel Joner joins us. He's a Stanford University undergrad, and he's with the Stanford Review. You guys are the best, the uh, conservative publication. Uh, thank you. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, great. Thank you so much. Appreciate the compliment about the review. We appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's uh, great stuff. So, look, how's this going down on campus? We have that mayhem. A bunch of students walked out. Has anybody been canceled yet for inviting Judge D uh, Duncan, Kyle Duncan? Oh, what a monster. <laughs> no, not yet. You know, it's, it's been crazy. My friends Thomas Adamo and Walker Stewart and I were able to report on this early on. We think really kind of the main Main issue is, um, you know, here at the Review, we really believe strong in the principle of free speech. Um, and, you know, we realize that there's going to be conservative and liberal students who are going to do extreme things and probably go against, you know, university policies at times. And the issue is that we need to have administrators who are in place and able to um, help make sure that these principles of free speech are respected on campus. And what we saw um, just last Thursday was that, that the, the complete opposite happened. You actually had an administrator, Dean Steinbeck, um, who was encouraging and condoning these protests. Um, and that's just absolutely unacceptable behavior um, from a Stanford administrator. And it's, I think, emblematic of what's going on across the country and in other universities and law schools uh, across the country where um, these administrators aren't actually committed to the principle of free speech. And, and that's the issue um, at the heart of it is that these administrators and, and Stanford needs to be hiring people who are committed to this policy of free speech. So she's the associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her name is Steinbach. And she was doing all kinds of weird, uh, nonsensical, wannabe intellectual backflips in justifying why he should not speak. And then she's going to grant them permission to speak. And I think we have a little bit. Take a look. And it's uncomfortable to say this to you as a person. It's uncomfortable to say that for many people here, your work has caused harm. 
has, caused, has caused harm. And I know that must be uncomfortable to hear. I know that must be. Let me please finish. And I want to give you space to finish your remarks too, Judge Duncan. Uh, but again, there's a lot of hectoring and she goes back and forth. Um, what's it? Is this like in all the classrooms? I mean, is, is it this liberal a campus? You're conservative. What is your like there as a conservative? You know, it's not like that on every classroom, thankfully. Um, but I think that, you know, these notions of, of, of the what's the norm here on campus, what's the status quo, um, really, I think, makes conservative students and liberal students just much more quiet in class. And you're not able to have these these um, sessions and, and these classrooms where you're actually able to have a free discussion and free exchange of ideas. Um, that's why there's organizations like us at the Stanford Review who, you know, get together and actually are able to freely discuss ideas without being canceled. And that's, you know, the bedrock principle that this country was founded on. And that's one of the principles that, that Stanford claims to abide by. Um, but it's it's not. And that's we're seeing that through its administration and who they're hiring. And that's that's one of the, the biggest issues here. And it's sad, though. So many students uh, did not want to hear from the speaker. They 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 filed out and, you know, the, the, the virtue signal and the, the status and the prestige that comes with that. Uh, let's hear from the judge. He had something to say about all this. You've invited me to speak here, and I've been heckled nonstop. Yeah. And I'm just asking for the administrator to sign the That's the show. I couldn't, quite frankly, make that out. The acoustics weren't so hot. Uh, any word on how his speech was in the end? <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, you know, entirely sure on every detail. But he, he, from what, from my knowledge, he was not able to to get his remarks off. And that's what's very unfortunate is that, um, you know, Dean Steinbeck, she said, you know, I'm committed to free speech and I want to hear from you. But he was never able to speak. And, and she condoned that what the protesters were doing. At the end, she said, you know, I don't look out here and say, you know, what is going on here? I look out and I say, I'm glad this is going on here as students are holding obscene posters. And so she's actively, you know, encouraging these protesters to continue just absolutely restricting Judge Duncan from speaking. Um, and, and that's what the problem is here. Um, yeah. It's that it, he should have been able to speak and, and we can, we should have these protests. Students should be allowed to protest. Mm -hmm. um, but it went way past administration guidelines and, and, and the university has apologized, but we need to see concrete action. Oh, the university, they apologized, but they got in trouble for the apology. I saw that too. <laughs> we only have 10 seconds left. I'm curious. Uh, what do you studying and what do you want to do when you leave Stan uh, Stanford? 10 seconds if you don't mind. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, studying economics and uh, hopefully to get uh, more involved in policy in the future. So I appreciate you having me, Greg. Really appreciate it. All right. Very good. Look forward to seeing more of you. Uh, check it out. StanfordReview.org. Josiah Daniel Joner, thank you. And we'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Uh, I guess he kind of made good on this weirdo campaign promise, right? Surge the border. Come on in. And he appointed that weirdo, Mayorkas, as the Homeland Security Secretary. You know, they've been talking about impeaching this guy. 
look, he's either totally incompetent or he's going along with this on purpose. He wants people in here illegally. I'm not sure. Let's bring in Congressman Mark Green, Republican of Tennessee, chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. And he's also on the Foreign Affairs Committee, House Freedom Caucus, and they will be having a hearing tomorrow in McAllen, Texas. Sir, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. What are the advantages? You're having this uh, hearing in Texas, right there on the border. Um, it's dramatic. Uh, what Are there other advantages to having it down there? I hear the Democrats are not coming. Yeah, the, the Democrats decided to be AWOL on this, uh, which is a relevant term for me as a prior military guy. I mean, they're just not showing up to their place of duty. Uh, we brought the hearing down here so that the people in the local community can know we're committed I mean, even on the flight in here, a Latino woman said, this is disastrous. It's destroying our community. You got to do something. Good luck. I'm praying for you. That, that's what I heard on the airplane coming down here. So, yeah, we're, we're down to communicate to these folks that we care, that we're listening, that we're going to try to get something done. And, of course, you know, to see it firsthand. You can't make good decisions about policy unless you know what's going on. And that means a, a bird's eye view. That means coming down and looking at it. Well, Joe Biden kind of glanced at it. <laughs> Remember that that phony trip to El Paso, whatever that was about. All right. Yeah. You guys have the House. This is an important hearing. You don't have the Senate. You don't have the presidency. What can you get done? What What's something you're, you're, you you want to pull off here? Yeah, sure. So I think most importantly, uh, step one is educating the American people. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of people who don't realize that every American is at risk with an open border. And we've, we've been communicating that. We had a hearing last week where a fentanyl mom you know, talked about losing two children to unintentional. I mean, they, they, they took something they thought was recreational uh, and it had fentanyl and they all died. In fact, everybody in the room that night died. Um, our president thought it was funny, though. Yeah. It was tragic. Um, but so that the message there was every American is at risk to, to today or tomorrow. The message is going to be, this is all Mayorkas's fault. And it really is because it, it's not more money. I mean, the budget didn't suddenly decrease when the new president came on board, but the number of border patrol agents didn't suddenly decrease. What happened was 89 effective policies went away. Policies from two different administrations. Uh, you can add 12 years of Obama and Trump and it doesn't even equal the two years of Joe Biden, 4.7 million encounters, 1.3 million gotaways. We don't even know who these people are. Uh, terrorists, watch list numbers, massively increasing. So fentanyl, all the, all the stats that America needs to know, that's at the point of tomorrow. And hey, we're here on the board. It's Mayorkas's fault, uh, but is he following orders? I mean, you, you've heard the theories, you know, the globalists, they want the cheap labor, uh, the whatever. Um, Democrats want the votes. You know, is he deliberately kind of sabotaging border security efforts? I, I think there's probably truth to that. What we're going to do is not leave the stone unturned. We're going to try to get to the bottom of exactly why they're doing this. I mean, another contributing fact, factor, Greg, is the State Department has failed to renegotiate the return agreements. So now Border Patrol and ICE, they don't have the agreements to send people back to the country. So this is very, I think you're on to something. There very possibly is a concerted effort. I mean, I, I, I would say there is, right? But we know Mayorkas lied to Congress. We know he's failed as a law enforcement officer, head of DHS, to enforce laws on the books. 
We know he's facilitating cartel crime. We know there's a massive human cost and dollar cost to this, and we're going to all point it back to Mayorkas. Yeah. And uh, then we'll hand that packet off to Joe or to Jim Jordan, and hopefully uh, he impeaches this guy. You guys are great. Keep it up. Uh, counting on Thanks. you, and good luck. Thank you very much. Congressman Mark Green, Republican of Tennessee. Hearing is tomorrow uh, right there on the border. Amazing. We'll be right back. Did you see this? Look at this. Oh, gosh. He's about to be body slammed and robbed. Happened in Houston, Texas. And, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Yikes. 44-year-old Texas woman. Surveillance video showed by, shared by Houston police. Um, she was very seriously wounded. There's a chance that she may not walk again. Uh, here she is in the hospital. Uh, she had several thousand dollars with her, actually, at the time. The guy knew it, followed her, basically stalked her. Uh, they're still looking for him. Uh, don't know how this is going to end. We really hope that she makes a full recovery. A lot of folks are very, very upset about this, as any, gosh, we see these viral videos. It is interesting. She happens to be Asian. The assailant happens to be, it looks like, a black person. And is that neither here nor there? Well, that's for others. But let's face it, whenever the suspect is white, they seem to make a really, really big deal about that for some reason. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect is believed to be 18 to 20, a white male. Police identified the alleged shooter as a 15-year-old white male. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. Yeah, and well. can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. A lot of contempt for uh, the whiteness of the situation. You know, I can understand, you know, broadcasting the race when you're looking for the suspect as they are in this situation in Houston. But that, they're, they're, those folks have issues. <laughs> white people, all kinds of people with white people, apparently. All right, now let's take a look at her again. She is, uh, her name is Trong, Nung Trong. She had that money with her because she was about to buy tickets to go for a trip to Vietnam to see family. And she has uh, three children, and uh, she can't feel her left leg. And wishing her a full recovery, hopefully. We'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Hey, thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow. All the best. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.